Welcome to Calvary Chapel of Columbia, where we're unpacking God's truths one verse at a time. And now here's Pastor Tim with today's message. If you need a Bible, raise your hand, and uh, we'll make sure you get one. If you have a Bible, turn with me to two places this morning, 1 John chapter 2 and Judges chapter 13. 1 John chapter 2 and Judges chapter 13. We'll spend most of our time in the book of Judges, but uh, we're going to... We're going to launch from 1 John 2. First John 2, Judges chapter 13. Hey, if you're a guest with us this morning, we want to welcome you. We're so glad you're here. Uh, there, is a, there is a card in the seat back pocket in front of you. Um, you can take that card, fill it out, take it directly across to the um, information center, which is directly across the main sanctuary doors, and we have a little package we want to give you, give you a little bit of information about us, who we are. And all, and all of that. So make sure you do that. Uh, we want to connect with you. Um, also, uh, want to welcome everybody online this morning. We're glad that you're uh, with us this morning as well. And anybody tuning in later, um, that's the awesome thing about technology is we can tune in online. We can tune in, you know, after the fact. You know, it's, it's really cool uh, how technology can be used for us to grow. So praise the Lord for that. Um, before we get started this morning, though, um, I want to just take a minute um, and, and ask about, you know, because we are uh, a house of prayer and uh, we're praying for requests and we want to just give, a, give an opportunity very briefly to just ask if there's any praise reports in the house this morning for things that God is doing in your life, uh, things that we've been praying for or you've been praying for and you've seen God move. We want to uh, continually remind ourselves that God answers our prayers. He answers our prayers. And so anybody here want to share anything that's going on in your life? Of course, the darling Miss Susan McKnight. We're going to do it on the mic so everybody can pick it up on the uh, other venues. So, Praise God. Yes. Amen. Awesome. Praise the Lord. Anybody else? Dan Moreski right here. Amen. That's right. Amen. One more. Somebody else has one. Right here. Yeah. 
Awesome. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Man, God is good, and he wants to work in our lives. And, you know, prayer is one of those things that God doesn't necessarily need to know what's going on in our life. He knows. In fact, from the foundation of the world, he knew. And yet, the thing about prayer is God gives us this avenue. It's a weapon. It's, it's, it's an asset that we have as a believer that we can use. And God, God works miraculously through those things. And we, we, so we want to make sure that we're lifting prayer up. Uh, anything else going on in your life, make sure you write that down. Throw it in the, in the uh, offering box in the back. And uh, we'll continue to pray. And, of course, better yet, become a prayer warrior. And uh, come and join us on uh, Sunday evenings at 6 p.m. to pray with us. Because the more the merrier. You know, we want to... We want to bang the doors down in heaven. The Lord said, come and make your requests known, so let's do that as a church, amen? Hey, we are seven days into the new year. Whoa, can you believe that? Anybody else with me when it comes to, like, life just passing you by? It's just flying by year after year. You're like, wait a second. Did, did we just pass Christmas? You're thinking, wait, I was just in summer. I, what, what is going on here? The older I get, the faster it goes. It's crazy. You know, and as I was praying about uh, what to do this first Sunday, I always do something special. You know, I thought, well, you know, this is this time of year, everybody's talking about uh, New Year's resolutions and all of that kind of stuff. And I thought, yeah, but that's really not what we do as believers, resolutions. Resolutions are short term. They're things that we in place in our lives and we say, okay, we're going to, this year, I'm going to do this. But the Christian life isn't isn't based on a year-to-year thing. It's based on a day-to-day thing. It's not a resolution. It's a lifestyle. And so as I thought about that, prayed about that, I thought the Lord wants us to talk about our lifestyle. He wants to, wants to talk to you this morning and to me this morning about how we're living our lives. And if we uh, really want to be used by God, if we want to maximize the potential that is within us, we have to engage you know, we're filled with the Holy Spirit, and he is powerful, but that power only comes to those who engage him, who activate him, who walk in him. And, and as a believer, you are filled with unbelievable potential, unbelievable potential. You could be the next Billy Graham. Not that we're trying to become something, but we want to be used by God. We want God to get glory. We want to take the gospel into the world because there's lost people that need to hear about Jesus. And so, you know, that requires us to be intentional about our lifestyle, about the way that we live our lives. You only have so much time. You only have a period of time. There is a dash in between the date that you were born and the date that you were die, and that dash represents your life. The question is, what will it say? When you pass away, when you leave this earth, what will people be reminded of about you? You were a great person. You were, you know, really good at your job. You were caring. You're a good babysitter. You really took care of dogs well. You know, what are they going to say about you? The reality is the one thing that I want to hear, you know, if I have the opportunity to hear comments or whatever, I want to hear he loved Jesus and he made it known, and he made no bones about it, that he, his life would live in such a way that you could tell that he loved Jesus. Because people read your life like a book, and the way that you live your life is really the story 
That's the storyline. That's the narrative. It's not what you say. It's what you do. It's how you live. God wants to exhort us this morning to, to, to engage in this thing. He has great, you have great potential that lies within you. How, how do we know? The Bible tells us so. That's how we know Jeremiah 29, 11. You know the verse. For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Uh, I better read it because I'll misquote it. Plans for welfare and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. Listen, the, your, your, your blueprint from God is plans that he has for you to prosper. Not for your glory, but for his glory. That he can use you in a way to prosper his gospel, his kingdom. It's about him, but he has plans for you. You know, the Bible tells us in Ephesians 2.10, we are his workmanship. We are his poem. I love that. God is an artist. We are his poems. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works that we would walk in them. He created them from before the uh, foundation of the world for you and I to walk in. He has great plans for you. The question is, will you live up to your potential? Are you going to live the lifestyle that is going to allow God the platform to work in your life? It takes intention. It takes effort. It takes you and I pressing forward. According to Winston Churchill, the key to unlocking potential is continuous effort. You and I pressing forward. I think he got that from the Apostle Paul. He said in Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 15, now, not that I have already obtained this, or am already perfect, but I press on to make my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, listen, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Now, here, listen, Christian. Listen, mature Christian. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if anything, you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to that what we, we have attained. Paul is saying that it takes effort to live the Christian life. He was mature, and he's calling mature Christians to continue to mature. God wants us. If you want to unlock the potential within your heart, you have to mature. You've got to grow. You can't stay the same. Listen, it is great that you're going to heaven. Praise God for that. God has saved your soul. There are many, many people that are saved souls that have wasted lives, that don't ever really live up to the potential that God has for them. Let that not be said about you. Let that not be said about me. God wants to use us. He has a plan for us. He has created us to walk in good works. In order for us to do that, we have to mature. That means we have to be intentional intentional about our walk with the Lord. Because here's the reality. It, whatever effort you put into your walk are the results that you will see. If you're stuck in sin right now and you're saying, man, I don't see a way out, that's not because God hasn't provided a way out. He did through the cross, through the blood of Christ. You were set free. If the Son has set you free, you're free indeed. But if you're locked up today, if you're bound by chains, that is because you are refusing to activate the power that God has given you through the Holy Spirit. It takes effort to do that. 
it, it, it takes a decision. I'm, I got to decide to follow him. I got to decide to unlock those chains. And so in order for us to do that, we have to put effort into our walk. We have to be intentional about taking steps to grow. You know, it's not enough that we're going to heaven. God wants, God didn't, Jesus didn't come down to, so you could go to heaven. He came down so that heaven could get in you. He wants you to live heaven out in your life today. You don't have to wait. You can do it now. He said the kingdom of God has come and is coming. It is in you. You have the principles, the Sermon on the Mount, the principles Jesus laid out. Those are within you. They want to come out of you, but it requires you to deny yourself, to take up your cross and follow him. And so I want to talk to you this morning about growing in the Lord. Now, there are things that will hinder our growth in the Christian walk. And one in, one, uh, three things in particular that John points out to us in 1 John chapter 2, if you're there, open your Bible, 1 John chapter 2, here's what this verse says. He says, for all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. Listen, the reality is there are three enemies that we battle every day. There are three enemies that I have in my life that are, aren't going away in this world. It's the desires of my flesh, it's the desires of my eyes, and it's the pride of life. And I will battle those things every day of my life until I die. And you will too. And so there's challenges that we face, and those things will hinder us from being able to uh, realize the potential that God has for us in our life. Lust. The flesh lusts after things. Desires. Your eyes, they fix your eyes upon things, and they desire, they want, they, 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 they cause your feet to go. The things that you gaze upon. Pride. I deserve these things. I'm, I've been working so hard. I just deserve a little freedom here, you know. Well, you, 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 you partake of these kinds of things, and they will kill the potential within you. I want to show you the reality of this and what it looks like in the life of someone that you know in the Bible. He was a judge that lived, and he is one of those guys that every one of us know about. His name is Samson. He's a powerful guy. His name means sunshine. When he came in, he was a ray of light in a dark place. He was meant to be this incredible savior. He's a picture of Jesus, actually. He was brought into, the, in, into a time period when Israel had given, had given themselves over to idolatry. Now they were over, uh, the, the Philistines were over, uh, ruling them over, and they were stuck. And that's kind of the way that the history of Israel is. They do what's right in their own eyes. They begin to fall into idolatry and all kinds of sin. God chastises them, brings some, some kind of, uh, you know, some ruler over them that they might be enslaved by them, the, the physical enslavement to, to give the spiritual picture of where they are, really. And then they cry out to him, and then he saves them. Well, this is a period of time where God is going to begin to save Israel through a man named Samson. Now, Samson has free will. He can do whatever he wants just like you. That's why it's a beautiful picture. The, the life of Samson is the same uh, picture for you and I. It's a parallel of the Christian life. Samson had a miraculous birth. So did you when you were born again. 
You know, Samson was filled with the Spirit of God. So were you when you were born again. You know, Samson had an incredible call upon his life. So do you when you were born again. It is an incredible parallel. But, but here's the deal. Most Christians, you know, I don't know the numbers. I don't know the stats. But I can tell you that I can see, particularly as time goes on, many will never reach their full potential because they become like Samson. They waste their potential on themselves. They waste their life on the pursuit of the flesh and its desires. And I tell you what, it does not satisfy. And you see that in his life. You wonder in his last, day, last days. I don't think he ever got it. But in his very last days, you wonder what he was doing, what he was thinking when he was in prison, when his eyes were gouged out as a result of sin, as a result for living for himself. Don't squander your life. You are a steward of the time that God has given you. He has redeemed you. He has saved you for a higher purpose than, than just you going to heaven. That's great that that's happening, and praise God for that. But there are people he has sent you as a type of Savior. You're not Jesus, but you have the message. You have the gospel. In other words, you have the capacity to rescue people out of damnation for eternity. What greater cause can there be? You know, we're all about cause. What's, what greater cause can there be than that? The enemy loves to dole us down, and our flesh loves to dole us down to that reality, but that is the truth. We're here for one purpose after we're saved, and that is not to prosper physically. That is to take the gospel into the world, and God may prosper you in that process, but make sure you're following him. Make sure you're doing what he's calling you to do because we'll see Samson doesn't do that. The first thing I want to point out, uh, Judges chapter 13, you can flip there, is Samson and his miraculous birth. Look at Judges chapter 13. We're going to begin in verse 1. And the people of Israel, again, did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord gave them into the hand of the Philistines for 40 years. There was a man named, a man of Zorah, of the tribe of the Danites, whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren and had no children. And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Behold, you are barren and have not born children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Listen, therefore, be careful and drink no wine or strong drink and eat nothing unclean. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. No razor shall come upon his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb. And she, he shall begin to save Israel from the hand of the Philistines. Down to verse 24. And the woman bore a son and called his name Samson. And the young man grew and the Lord blessed him, and the Spirit of the Lord began to stir, with, uh, stir him in Mahanadan between Zorah and Eshtael. So here we find this miraculous birth of Samson. His mother was barren. Now, in this culture, in this day, that was, a, that was something that people would look down on, upon you for because you were unable to have children. They would consider it a judgment from God. They would say, you or somebody in your family has done something, and that's why you can't have kids. And, and, and yet, you know, we see a different picture. God had a different plan for her. 
her time to bear children wasn't until this very moment. God wanted a virgin womb to bring through this man. Not virgin in terms of she had never, she had a husband and all of that, but he wanted a womb that had never bore a child before. And so he found a womb in her. He's a picture of Isaac, the same kind of idea, Abraham and Sarah, you know. And, um, and so here we find that his beginnings are miraculous. Now, his mom is just minding her own business, living her life for the Lord, apparently. You know, that God would call her as the servant. And an angel, the angel of the Lord, who is none other than Jesus, appears to her. This is a pre, this is called what's a Christophany in the Old Testament, is a, is a pre-earthly presentation of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament before he uh, becomes the flesh, before he is born of a virgin. And so, here we have the angel of the Lord. How do we know that? Well, if you read on down in that verses, you'll see that his name is, he says, wonderful. Well, Isaiah, uh, you know, chapter uh, 9, 6 tells us that Jesus' name is wonderful. We see the angel of the Lord receives worship. There's all kinds of different reasons. That's, I don't want to get too far into that. But this is none other than Jesus, I believe. And he's telling uh, Samson's mother that she is going to bear a child and he is going to be a savior. You and I were barren in our lives too. You and I were fruitless in our lives before we came to Christ. We had no fruit on the vine. We were branches that were preparing to be cut off and thrown away. And for however that happened in your life, if it happened in your life, you had an encounter with Christ and all of a sudden your barrenness, your barren branch became fruitful. And the Lord implanted his Holy Spirit within you, and now you have all kinds of fruit within you wanting to come out of you. The Holy Spirit, it's a picture of what we see here in Samson. Samson's mother is supposed to watch her life. He says, be careful that you don't have strong drink and that you don't touch unclean things. And, and when this child is born, that he does the same and that also he doesn't cut his hair. He is going to be a Nazarite He's taken the Nazarite vow from birth his whole life. Now, the people back in this day, you can read about that in number six, but people back in this day when they took a Nazarite vow, it was only for a period of time. It was just temporary. But God is saying here about this child, Samson, that he's to be set apart for life. He's not to, uh, you know, have ever have anything to do with grapes, anything to do with grapes. He is not to have anything to do with dead dead carcasses, animals, anything like that. And he is to never cut his hair. He is to watch his life. She is to watch her life. You and I are to watch our lives. It matters how you live your life. Paul said in Colossians chapter 4, 5, walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to, you ought to answer each person. You have to watch your life to do that. You have to remember your call when somebody's being nasty with you, when you're not being served. Listen, the Bible calls us servants. You know how you're a servant? When somebody treats you like one. That's how you know. You know you're being a servant when someone treats you like one. Now, the question is, how do you receive that? We have to be careful with our lives, just as careful as Samson's mother and Samson had to be with his life. Now, Samson was set apart from birth. 
He was to be in the world and not of the world. Same call for us. We are set apart from the day that we're born again. We're to be in the world but not of the world. We're called to take the gospel into the world. We're called to work in the world. We're called to be good to people in the world. But we are not called to be like the world. The church is, it has become like the world. That's why there's this, 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 this real doling down of, of, of really the word of God and everything that goes on in church and, and all of that because the world has infiltrated. And the church, in the, in the effort to try and appeal to the world, has become like the world. Listen, we can't become like the world. We've been set apart. You are of a holy priesthood, Christian. You were set apart. You were sanctified unto Christ Jesus for his purposes. Don't forget that. We see here as, as, as Samson, you know, it says he grew up and he was, as a young man, he was, the spirit began to stir him. The spirit began to stir him. Remember the first time the spirit stirred your heart? Remember the first time the Spirit began to speak to you about your calling in life? And remember the first time you really heard God speak, maybe through his word or whatever? Was that not incredible? The Spirit of God began to stir Samson, and he's probably wondering what in the world is going on. He is, he is headed into the time of his life if he's careful with his life, if he's careful with the way that he walks. And yet we see he's faced with the same temptation you, you and I are with the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life. And we see the battle begin as a young man in chapter 14 and on. Here's the thirst, first thing that we see in chapter 14, verse 1. Samson went down to Timnah. And at Timnah, he saw one of the daughters of the Philistines. Then he came up and told his father and mother, I saw one of the daughters of the Philistines in Timnah. Now get her for me as a my wife. But his father and mother said to him, Is there not a woman among the, our daughters of your relatives or among all our people that you must go and take a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? But Samson said to his father, Get her for me, for she is right in my eyes. His father and mother did not know that it was from the Lord, for he was seeking an opportunity against the Philistines. At that time, the Philistines ruled over Israel then Samson went down with his father and mother to Timnah, and they came to the vineyards of Timnah, and behold, a young lion came toward him roaring. Then the Spirit of God rushed upon him, and although he had nothing in his hand, he tore the lion in pieces as one tears a young goat. But he did not tell his father or his mother what he had done. Then he went down and talked with the woman, and she was right in Samson's eyes. Verse 1 provides, of chapter 14, provides the summary of the rest of Samson's life. The first three words, Samson went down. Samson went down. That's not just speaking geographically. That is speaking spiritually. He went down. Like he wasn't rising up to the occasion. He was going down. He was living, rather than allowing heaven to live through him, he was living According to the world, he was allowing earth in. He was allowing worldliness to, to really be the, 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 the desires, the, the, the thing that would propagate him, that would cause him to, um, th that would be the footsteps of his life. He was living for himself, for the flesh. He, here we see here the very first thing 
as he begins to squander his potential, as he begins to waste his life, it begins with the desires of the eyes. It says here that he saw a Philistine woman. And according to Deuteronomy chapter 7, they were not allowed to intermarry with any other tribe. God wanted to keep them set apart, not because they were elitist, because he wanted to set them apart. They were his chosen people. He wanted to keep their, them, that, that bloodline pure and all. And so he told them, don't intermarry. I don't want you guys taking on gods from other places and all that. I want you to be dedicated to me. And yet Samson wants something forbidden. He wants something that's off limits, perhaps like a believer when they want an unbeliever as a spouse. The Bible says don't be unequally yoked. Oh, that's just old. That's not really what that means. I mean, we're supposed to be with the people we love because it's about love and all. And God says, well, yeah, but really it's about having the same mindset. When you, how can you become one with somebody that doesn't have the same mindset as you have? You know, marriage is about becoming one. It's really, marriage is for God, not for us. Marriage is for God, not for us. It's he designed it for himself, for us, to, to f- facilitate something in this world. And so at the end of the day, and we get blessed by that incredibly, don't we? It's an awesome relationship. It's a picture that we have. But the reality is, is that we're not to be unequally yoked. God said there's some rules when it comes to marriage. We're to be careful. We don't yoke ourselves together with somebody that isn't a believer. And he goes on here. That's exactly what Samson wants to do. Get her for me, for she's right in my eyes. Hey, here's the reality. This is the summary of what he's saying. I don't care what God says. I don't care. I don't care what the Bible says. I want her because she's right in my eyes. Oh, you mean you don't care what God says? Well, no, because I want what I want. It's the desires of the eyes leading him away from the word of God. He, he stops trusting the word and starts trusting his own feelings. That's why feelings get us in trouble. Because what's right in our eyes, in our own eyes, is not necessarily right according to God's eyes. So we have to be careful. Um, Jesus tells us about the idea of, of our eyes and how we need to be careful with our eyes because it's the lamp of the body. Matthew chapter 6, verses 22 through 23. The eye of the... The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Listen, what you allow through the eye goes into the soul, and it comes out in your life. What you watch matters. Be careful what you're taking in. Be careful what you're watching on TV. Be careful what you're viewing on the Internet. Be careful because it is shaping your soul. What you bring in is shaping who you are and and how you will live your life. You have to be careful. Samson begins this downward spiral of wasting his life by rejecting God's word. God's word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path and it is a sword, and it is meant for, for good in our life. And so why in the world would we reject his word? Why would we reject his word? Why would we stop listening to what God would say to us about how we're to live our lives? Does he, he created you? Remember, he has a plan. 
He has works that he created you to walk in, and his word will guide you right into the places that you need to be. So why in the world would you reject his word? It would be like somebody, like you being lost on some street and somebody giving you the directions. You go, no, no, I got it. I, that's what guys do, right? No, no, we got it. No, we'll figure it out. We'll find out, find where we're going. Well, no, here, here's all you have to do. You just go down here, take a right. You'll, you'll be right where you need to go. And you'll spend the rest of your life trying to figure it out when it's been given to you already. You have his word. You have everything that you need. His word is everything you need, man. It has, the, it's the words of life. That's what uh, the disciples said to Jesus when he said, unless you, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you can have no part with me. And everybody started to walk away because Jesus said, hey, you want to follow me. I'm not messing around. You, you got to really follow me. You got you to gotta listen to what I have to say. You have to do the things that I tell you to do. And everybody starts walking away. Jesus looks at the 12. He goes, hey, you guys want to go too? And they turn back and they look at him. And Peter says this, the most profound words ever. Where else can we go? You have the words of life. You have the words of life. We have the words of life in the word. It is meant to bring light into us to steer us out of paths of darkness. So don't reject his word. Samson began to uh, reject his word, and that's when the downward spiral happened in his life. Here, here's the thing is, we notice here that it's the desires of the eyes. It's what he saw that he wanted to gauge in, right? So he's in a Nazarite vow. He has the desires of the eyes. He wants that woman. It's against the word. So he's, he, he's defiling himself. He's sinning in that way. But look at what he has to do to get there. He has to walk through a vineyard. Well, wait a second. The Nazarite vow says to have nothing to do with grapes at all. Literally, don't have anything to do with the fruit. Don't have anything to do with the vine. Don't have anything to do with the skin. Don't have anything to do with the drink. It's not just alcohol it's talking about here. It's the, the entire fruit. Have nothing to do with grapes at all. And Samson has to cross through a vineyard to get to the place that he wants to go because of the desires of his eyes. What I'm saying to you is God puts obstacles in our life to stop us, to get us to recognize you're walking in the wrong path. And what do we find here? Samson just doodling along, and along comes a young lion. Who do you think that represents? 1 Peter 5.8, it's the enemy. He's a roaring lion. He's seeking to devour. This lion is seeking to devour. Samson shouldn't be there. He went down. He shouldn't be in this place. He's going into, uh, you know, he's tr crossing over into em enemy territory, and he's willingly going. God's, God says, hey, there's a vineyard here. You probably shouldn't cross that. Oh, my Nazarite vow. Well, did he really mean that? Is that really what that means? So he walks through the vineyard, and there Satan is. Do you not expect Satan to be in the places that you ought not be? Is he not going to be there? Why are you surprised when you're attacked? When you're attacked in places that you shouldn't be in the first place, you're thinking, well, why is this happening to me? Because you went there. That's why you chose the path. You went there yourself. Here he is, and he has a lion. Now, here's the awesome thing about this. The Spirit of God, God meets you where you are. Is that awesome? God came in a place that he ought not be, and he said, I'm going to infuse him with power to defeat the enemy so that he can rise up in this situation and become the man that he's called to be. God meets us even in our sin. That is incredible to me. 
that God would do that in the midst of the, him walking in darkness. He would fill him with the Spirit of God, that he would say, hey, you need power right now. So he fills him with the power, and he rips this lion apart, and he tosses it around. Now, now don't you think you would have some, you, you would think that there's the obstacle. I shouldn't be in the vineyard. Here's the lion, the enemy. I rip him apart. I have the Spirit of God on me. I probably should turn around and go the opposite way. I think God's trying to say something to me. Oh, no. Uh-uh. Boy, look at how gifted I am. I'm so awesome. Look at, I have the Spirit of God on me. I can do practically whatever I want. God's blessing me. Look at this. Does that not happen? You're walking in sin. <laughs> You're thinking, well, I'm not being struck down by lightning. I, I think God's okay with it. God is not okay with it. God is not okay with you walking in sin. He's trying to rescue you out of it. He's trying to fill you with the Spirit to deter you from it. And yet Samson's not getting it. Listen, maybe someone here today has been seeing the signs and they've been ignoring them. God has been inserting signs in your life to say you're going the wrong way, you're going the wrong way, you're going the wrong way, and you're too hard-headed and you're too prideful and you're, you're lusting and you're not allowing the Spirit of God to work in your life and he's saying wake up and start living for me. Maybe that was for somebody here, I don't know. But here's the reality. Samson didn't wake up. He did not wake up. Not only is he falling into this, the, the, this desire of the eye, you know, the, the, the enemy that he's falling to. He's falling to that. But more importantly, he's, he's falling to the vow that he has been under his whole life. He's failing. He's starting to fail. And, and, and it's not that we don't fail. It's that when we fail, what do we do? There's no repentance in him. He doesn't care. We'll see this as, this, as time goes on. Look at verse 8. It says, after some days, he returned to take her, at this Philistine woman, and he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion, and behold, there was a swarm of bees in the body of the lion and honey. He scraped it out into his hands and went on, eating as he went. And he came to his father and mother and gave some of them, he gave some to them, and they ate. But he did not tell them that he had scraped the honey from the carcass of the, the lion. Samson now is going back down, you know, th there's some things that happen. You can read about it. You know, you can finish reading that up. But now he's going back down to take this Philistine and his wife, that same lion that he ripped apart, that the Spirit of God gave him the power to rip apart, is now filled with honey. And guess what? He's hungry. He's like Winnie the Pooh. He's like, I want some of that honey. You know, but wait a second. There's a Nazarite vow in play here. You know, he's not to touch anything that's dead. This is defilement. This is sin. The same thing that he encountered before, he encounters again, and he's not listening. Oh, I'm hungry. The lust of the flesh. Your flesh has desires, man. And food is only one of them. Food, sex, drugs, whatever it is. I don't know where you get your pleasure, but the reality is, is your flesh is going to desire. It's going to want. Will you satisfy it? Samson just dips his hand right into that carcass. He starts eating of it, and, and he, he even gives some to his mom and dad. She, unknowingly, they're, they're partaking in the sin. They have no idea. What? Samson didn't tell them? No, he, he's, he's sinning all the way around here, guys. He's digging a hole. He is, he is defaming uh, you know, his parents. He is walking away from the Lord, and God has such great plans for him. 
We see in chapter 15, 14, in verse 14, that he did the same thing. He did the same thing. He took the jaw of a donkey, and he killed a 1,000 Philistines with the jaw of that donkey. That's sinful. He shouldn't touch the carcass. He did it twice. Hey, lightning didn't strike me the first time. I guess I'm okay. I guess God's cool with what I'm doing. God's not cool with what he's doing. God's not cool with what you're doing. At the end of the day, Samson had more potential, and God wanted to work it out, and he was giving him a chance, and he was allowing him to do it just like he does with you and I. He's so patient with us. You know, he's not, he doesn't take you behind the woodshed and beat you down. Man, he patiently loves you through your sin. He's patiently loving Samson. He says, man, I have a greater plan for you, Samson, if you'll only step into it. But you have to deny yourself. You have to stop following your flesh. Don't follow your flesh. How do, we, how do we not follow our flesh? Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 9, verses 25 and tw- through 27, every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control lest after preaching to others I should myself become disqualified. What Paul is saying here is I Keep my flesh in check. You have to. If you want to recognize, if you want the potential that God has within you to come out of you, you have to have some discipline in your life. Listen, you've already been given it through the Holy Spirit. He's given you the fruit of self-control. He's given me the fruit of self-control. And so the reality is we have what we need, but we have to walk in it. That takes effort. That takes self-denial. That takes saying, I'm not going to do that. It's a mindset. Samson, he said, hey, man, Lord, I know that I shouldn't be doing this, but I'm going to anyway because my flesh wants it. And what my flesh wants, my flesh gets. May that not be said of you. May that not be said of you. Samson violated his vow again. Desires of the flesh, desires of the eyes. Now we see the third enemy here as we move on in chapter 16, the pride of life. Here, Samson has come to the bottom of the barrel through the arms of a woman named Delilah. She has traded him for some silver. She was more in love with money than she was him, that's for sure. It's interesting that he's a picture of Jesus and he was sold for silver. It's the same way Jesus went out. It was a betrayal. It was a betrayal. She, they came, the Philistines came to her and said, hey, we'll pay you 1,100 pieces of silver if you'll turn him over to us. If you find out where his power lies and what does she do? She's cunning, man. She's like the devil. She begins to coax him and, and, and begins to ask him, oh, so- Samson, you don't love me. You're not telling me where your power comes. He goes, dude, I didn't even tell my parents where it comes from. Why would I tell you? You know, and she's sulking and everything like that and probably get him in the cold shoulder, you know, and, and not, not really being playful with him or anything. And he's like, well... Well, okay, well, well, here, and then they play this game, and he begins to tell her these different things. You can read it in chapter 16. But it comes down to the point where she wears him out. The enemy will wear you out. She's being propagated by the enemy, and he will wear you out. He is relentless, man. He is not going to stop. You know, you're thinking, Lord, give me some reprieve here. Reprieve, well, you have more of it. You have all these enemies coming at you at once. It's not just the devil. The devil could be removed, and you could still sin because you've fallen. Your nature, your, your, your 
your flesh desires things without the enemy dangling anything before your eyes. That's why the Bible says that we need to be careful with our hearts because out of it spring the issues of life without Satan inserting anything. Listen, I'm more than capable of a lot of darkness without Satan even messing with me at all. So are you. You know, he's working through Delilah here, and he, he gets Samson wore down to the point where he tells her, listen, the reason that I have power is because I have never cut my hair. You might think, like, whoa, that's crazy. What does that have to do with anything? Nazarite vow. It was the vow. He was set apart. He was sanctified to the Lord. He'd never had a razor touch his head. And when he told her that, she lulled him to sleep, had someone come in and cut his hair off, and then woke him up and said, the Philistines are upon you. And they rushed him and ransacked him, and he thought he would bust out of the rope just like he did before, and he thought that he was going to fight them just like he was before, but he had no power. He was powerless. He had broken the, the Nazarite vow completely at that point. He had been through the vineyard. He had touched unclean things, and now he had allowed a razor to touch his head. He's powerless. Why? Because he rejected the word of God. Because he rejected the word. Maybe that's why you're powerless this morning. You're not willing to submit to the word of God. I'm telling you that there's power in just simply following his word. Just doing what he tells you to do. It's real simple. He knows we're real, real, real simple people. You're not, but I am. But I'm real simple. And he says, I need to write it out for this guy. I need to make sure that he understands it. So he does it real simple for me. So that all I have to do is follow it. And I'm not saying there's not a battle there. What I'm telling you is that the battle is matchless compared to the Lord. It's matchless. It, it can't compare. Like, we have so much potential within our hearts. The Lord can work through us. But like Samson, maybe we've given ourselves over and we're not willing to listen to the Lord's word. So here we find Samson, chapter 16, eyes gouged out, beaten, all kind of stuff, been brutalized. There's a party going on at the Philistines. They want to bring him out. They want to have a party with Samson. Let's bring out the guy who, uh, you know, shook our foundations. Let's bring him out. You know, Samson, obviously, uh, you know, was, they didn't know why he had power. That's why they had Delilah do that, because they had no idea. He, was, he wasn't like he was a huge guy, you know. He wasn't, didn't look like the Incredible Hulk. He looked like David Banner. You know, he, he looked like David Banner, but the Spirit of the Lord came on him, and he had the power of the Incredible Hulk. So they couldn't figure it out. And so, you know, they, they, let's bring out this little weakling, and let's mock him. They did not know that his hair had grown. They did not know that his hair had begun to grow. Verse 28 of chapter 16, Then Samson called to the Lord and said, O oh Lord God, please remember me and please strengthen me only this once. O oh God, that I may be avenged on the, the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson grasped the two middle pillars on which the house rested, and he leaned his weight against them, his right hand on the one and his left on the other. And Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. Then he bowed with all his strength, and the house fell upon the lords and upon all the people who were in it. So the dead who he killed at his death were more than those whom he killed during his life. 
Then his brothers and all his family came down and took him and brought him up and buried him between Zorah and Eshtel in the tomb of Manoah, his father. He judged Israel for 20 years. Proverbs 16, verses 18 through 19 says this. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. It is better to be of a lowly spirit with the, with the poor than to divide the spoil with the proud. Samson was at the bottom of the barrel here. Bottom of the barrel, man, physically humbled beyond belief, and yet incredibly proud in his heart. Still full of pride. You can't do this to me. I'm Samson. Well, wait a second, Samson. Who did all those things through you? Was it you? Was it because you're so great? No, it was the Spirit of the Lord. God gets the glory. Samson is still so proud. He hasn't learned a lesson. He hasn't learned anything yet. He's been imprisoned. His eyes are gouged out. He's lost his power. And yet he's still prideful. Oh, they can't do this to me. Lord, give me strength that I might avenge Myself, not, not give you glory, not elevate you, God, not bring some way, shape, or form, bring some glory to you, but I want to avenge myself. You ever pray like that? Lord, I can't believe that they did that to me. Strike them down now. Lord, call down. You know, this is the James and John, the sons of thunder kind of heart. It's pride, being proud. They can't do that to me. He wants to avenge himself. Here's the interesting thing. God met him where he was. Samson, I won't stop you. Your hair's grown back. The vow's in play. Go for it. What does Samson do? He commits suicide. Literally. And it says that he killed more that way than he did any other way. Now, here's the moral of the story. Is that Samson, in that moment... God had plans. God was going to topple the Philistines anyway. But not that way. Not that way. That was his way. That wasn't God's way. But God will use it. And maybe you've made decisions in your life and you're thinking, man, Lord, you know, there's no, there's no chance for you to be able to use me now. Look what I've done with my life. Well, even Samson, you know, even though he made mistakes, even though he sinned against the Lord, God still used everything to accomplish his purpose. What I'm saying to you is this, is that, yeah, you're going to make mistakes. Yeah, you fall down or whatever. But listen, God still isn't at work, and his plan will not be thwarted. Don't fool yourself. And so wherever you find yourself today, there's hope that there's still potential within you. The question is, will you allow your pride to fade and walk in humility and humble yourself before the Lord and say, Lord, here am I, send me. You know, that really is the heart that he's looking for. That's what will promote, uh, will increase that potential to reality in your life. Samson didn't humble himself. And so the Lord used it, but that wasn't his perfect will. It wasn't what God had for him. It's the same thing when he took that woman as his wife in Timnah. It says that, you know, his, his mother and his father did not know it was the Lord. Well, don't fool yourself. It wasn't God creating sin. God doesn't orchestrate sin, but God uses it. God can use your mistakes, you know, but he wants you to learn from them. That's the point. Samson wasted not only his potential, but he wasted his life 
because he wasn't willing to humble himself. It was his pride. He struggled, man, big time with the desires of the flesh, with the desires of the eyes, with the pride of life. And I can tell you that that's the same struggle I have and that's the same struggle you have. It's the reality. That is what we are met with in the world. But also, we have a greater God. Listen, he is greater and he is more powerful and he, you know, can o- we can overcome anything if we will humble ourselves and we will do what Jesus tells us to do. Paul said this in Galatians 5:16. But I say walk in the spirit walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. How do I live this life? That's how you live the life. That's why the Holy Spirit's in you so that you can live the life that God's called you to. But you have to walk in it. Back to what I said in the very beginning, you have to be engaged. You can't just be passive about your walk with Jesus, folks. You know, if you're passive with your, um, it's the same idea of being passive with your diet, being passive with your body. You know, uh, if you're passive with your body, listen, you, 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 might, you might be doing okay. You're, you might have some good genetics and you might kind of be able to, uh, you know, falter along and, and, and everything. But I promise you that it's not the best for you. It's not your, your best genetic blueprint. It takes effort. Your Christian walk takes effort. The Christian, God wants you to mature, man. You know, he, he's calling you to grow. But you have to be willing to do that. And he won't force you to. You can go to heaven drinking off the bottle if you want to. But God would rather you come mature eating meat. That's the way he would rather you to come. And so, you know, the, really at the end of the day, the, the exhortation for this is, uh, for what I'm talking about here is for you and I to really press forward not just because it's 2018, but because it's one day closer to Jesus coming back. That's why. Because Jesus is coming back soon. And you and I want to do everything that we can to, to fulfill the mission that he's given each and every one of us. He has a mission for you. He has a plan for you. He has created you for good works to walk in. But if you don't mature, you'll never figure it out. So God is calling us as a church to maturity this year, man. And maybe you've been walking with the Lord 50 years. You're like, man, well, I'm pretty mature. Well, mature some more. Let's keep going. You don't ever arrive in your walk with Jesus, man. You've got to keep going. You've got to keep moving forward. God has more for you to do. But you've got to mature. As you mature, then he gives you more assignments. But you've got to mature. You don't handle a little baby, you know, a knife and some, or some scissors and some materials. So here, cut this out for me. No, because it, he can't do it. Listen. As you mature, God gives you more responsibility, and uh, he wants to use you, but you, you also have to be one to be used because he won't force that upon you. So I want to challenge you this morning, man. Take your walk serious day by day, and if you fail, guess what? Trust the sovereignty of God. Move on. You know, you can't do what, like Paul said, I'm leaving what lies behind. I'm not going to worry about what happened, but I am going to press on towards the prize. So, you know, you and I, as, as we fail or whatever, you know, hey, man, listen, repent, move forward, and just keep pressing on towards the goal. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, God. We thank you for uh, this, this picture that you've given us through this man, Samson, Lord. And, and Lord, what could have been and what was, Samson... Lord, he started out 
on the right track, following you, and he ended horribly because he stopped listening to you, Lord. He stopped watching his life. He stopped regarding your word. He stopped doing the things that would cause him to mature in you, Lord, and he became immature in the spirit, and he became mature in the flesh. And so we're asking you this morning, Lord, to help us to guard our hearts against that. We want to mature in the right way, Lord. We want to mature in the spirit. Lord, we want to be set free from things that have been plaguing us, God. We want to, we want to have self-control in areas of our lives that we're lacking. And we know that you've given us your spirit in order for that to happen. You've given us what we need. Maybe this morning, God, we just want to commit ourselves to you in this way and just say, Father, I, I, you know everything about me. You know all, the, all my failures, Lord. You know where I struggle, and I'm just, I just want to come to you here, and I want to commit myself to you more fully than I ever have, and I want to move forward, and I want to mature, and I want you to guide me, Lord. And it's a decision. And so if that's you this morning, and the Lord's just moving in your heart, you're saying, hey, man, I, I want to I mature more in the Lord and I want to move forward, I'm just going to ask you to lift your hand. I want to pray the Holy Spirit upon you. Anybody else? God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. You're saying, hey, I just want to mature more, Lord. I, I'm stuck where I'm at, and I want to move forward, and I need just a baptism of your Holy Spirit, that your Spirit would fall on this place this morning upon your people, God. God bless you. Lord, you, you see every heart, you see every hand, Lord. And we're just asking right now for you to meet us as you did, Samson, Lord. And that your spirit would fall upon us this morning, Lord. In might and power, God. Shackles would be set free even right now, Lord. In Jesus' name, Father, that we would be empowered and we would be... Um, We would be pressing on towards the prize, which is you, Lord. We, we need your help, God. We can't do it, and you know that. Send your spirit now in Jesus' name upon every person in this place, Lord. We thank you, Father. We love you. We glorify you. And now, Lord, help us to not move past today, but to take a step as we have, and then tomorrow to take another one, the next day to take another one. Lord, continue to encourage us and exhort us. On to maturity in Christ, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. You can hear more of Pastor Tim's studies through the Word of God on our website, www.calvaryofcolumbia.org. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you'll join us again as we continue to study God's Word.